0: Hey there, you're listening to Miss Middlesys. I'm your host, Debbie Talley, and today's episode gets right down to why this podcast still exists. It's about middle child syndrome. So here we go. So wow. Just wow. I have managed to take what I thought was a twice-monthly podcast and turn it into an annual podcast. I think it might even be longer than that. I'm not proud of that. It is what it is, though. I figure if I'm going to screw up a plan, I'm going to do it big. So why in the world did I wait so long to record my third episode? I wish I could say I was like the BBC and push out a show every year or so, like Doctor Who or... Sherlock, two of my favorite shows, but I'm really not that clever and I do not have a slate of shows to put out to fill the 11 months in between. Nope, I've been doing the procrastination thing in a big way. I don't know what it is, fear of failure, perfectionism, pandemic, all very likely. I can say though with certainty that I still have middle child syndrome. That's not going away. That's what this show is about. The middle in Miss Middlesys is part of the show name because I'm a middle child. And I know what it's like to be a middle child. I mean, I often blame being a middle child for how I feel, how I act and react, and how I think. It is very definitely how I've come to define myself. After all, it's a fact. In terms of birth order, I was born the second of three girls. I'm the Jan Brady. Thank you, Eve Plum, for portraying middle childhood so well. And just like Jan, I was jealous of my older sister, as most younger sisters are. And my younger sister, she was just cute as all get out. I was insecure in general. So fun fact, my sister's name is Marsha. And in our family, Marsha is the youngest sister. And word is that she was named after Marsha Brady. So there was a fair amount of Marsha, Marsha, Marsha going on, and there still is. My other sister is not named Cindy, but she's named Sandy, which I just realized Cindy and Sandy are similar sounding names. Coincidence, maybe? I don't know. Actually, according to my mom, she was named after Sandra D. And me, I was named after Debbie Reynolds. My mom loved American TV, that's for sure. Oh, and I apologize. I forget that the Brady Bunch might not... Transcend generations or geographies for that matter. The Brady Bunch was a family TV show that started in 1969 and ran until 1974 or so. Basically, it was the story of a lovely lady. She was bringing up three very lovely girls and I've already talked about those three girls Cindy, Jan, Marsha Anyway, the show also includes a man named Brady. He was busy with three boys of his own. I understand he was a widower until the one day when the lady met this fellow. (laughs) And they knew it was much more than a hunch that this group must somehow form a family. That's the way they all became the Brady Bunch. That's the theme song, if you didn't know. If you watch the Brady Bunch, you know that there are three boys. And if you haven't seen it well, I just told you there are three boys. That means there's a middle boy and his name is Peter Brady. Growing up, I always thought Peter was the cutest of the three. Peter has a handsome older brother, Greg, and an easygoing, sweet, younger brother named Bobby. And what I remember about Peter is that he seemed shy and he was really sensitive. And I guess contradictory is a good word to describe him. Little things could get him down. And you know, you'd think that he lacked self-confidence and then all of a sudden there'd be this episode where he seemed to be full of himself. One of the most memorable Peter Brady episodes is when he tries to find his personality and he adopts Humphrey Bogart's personality instead. And he says, pork chops and applesauce is for dinner. Just like that. He adopts the whole Humphrey Bogart. I don't even know if I did that justice. Anyways, he says that. And then he's told that he needs to develop his own personality. And he says, it isn't going to be easy. And then we have his stepsister, Jan. She's known for coining the saying, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Because that's what she hears all day at school, how great Marsha is. She also said, am I invisible? Do I not have a voice? I had that idea two days ago. She said that after she had brought up an idea to enter a search for the stars contest that Marsha dismisses, only to suggest the idea to Greg a couple of days later. Does that sound familiar, middle children? Happens to me all the time. So both Peter and Jan have characteristics that you could say are common for middle children. And if you believe in birth order theory, then these traits could be associated with middle child syndrome. So I'll give you some context, what I mean by birth order theory and and how this applies. So according to psychcentral.com, middle child syndrome is a belief that certain personality differences are developed by those who are born between the first and last children of a nuclear family. The American Psychological Association says this is a hypothetical condition because studies haven't shown definitively that being a middle child drastically affects personality or influences whether a mental health condition will develop. It's really about assumptions and the way media portrays middle-born children. The stereotype is that parents will overlook the middle child because the oldest has the most responsibility and is a trailblazer and that the youngest gets the attention as the baby of the family. I wonder if there's a Cute child syndrome, because that was definitely going on in my family, at least. I'm not saying that, you know, not everybody was cute, but definitely, okay, I'm just going down a rabbit hole. So if those two conditions exist, then it could leave the middle child feeling left out or they perceive that they don't get as much attention. The theory is that the middle child may develop a rebellious attention seeking nature. So here are some of the symptoms that Psych Central says the entertainment industry. Has perpetuated. And that may be true or untrue or exaggerated. So here are some characteristics often self reliant and independent, may develop closer bonds with siblings, may feel overlooked or neglected, may act out for attention, may not feel as close to their parents. And some stereotypes that go along with that forgotten child, the easily angered child, inferiority complex, the class clown and fixated on fairness. I know many middle children might be rolling their eyes or nodding their head in agreement. The site also says that middle child personality may be guided by popular perception rather than actual differences in how their personality shines through. So some common beliefs of personality of middle children include feelings of rivalry, Since they're competing for their parents' attention and others' attention, they may feel jealous and compete against their siblings whenever possible. Neglected. Middle children may feel their parents don't pay enough attention to them or that they're not their parents' favorite because what parents have favorites? Because the other siblings are getting more attention. Anger. If a middle child is acting out more than other children, they may be trying to get attention or damn it, they might just be mad. If you haven't noticed, I'm adding my own opinion, parenthetically. They might not feel as special as their siblings, since those siblings are getting the attention. Also, a 2020 survey of university students found negative identity perceptions with middle and only children and positive identity perceptions with oldest and youngest children. Also, the feelings of negative attention-seeking and rivalrous behaviors found in the middle children could magnify or persist into the adult years, if left unaddressed. You think? So, to recap, middle child syndrome can include a possible set of behaviors that may explain personality traits. Some research found that birth order may affect mental health, behaviors, intelligence, and how close you feel to your parents. More recent research, though, suggests that if any effects exist, they're slight and not going to influence how you develop as a person. I'm just going to leave that there. Additional research. In six ways, middle child syndrome can pop up in adult life without defining your destiny, which appeared on the wellandgood.com site, says that middle child syndrome is really not even diagnosable. It doesn't officially exist. The same article lists six common characteristics of middle child syndrome. Not too sure about these characteristics since the article pretty much says that it doesn't exist, but let's list them anyways. So number one, feeling left out, which according to the article is the essential driving force of middle child syndrome, which again, doesn't exist, mind you. And this is due to not having a clearly defined role in the whole birth order dynamic. The oldest, of course, the responsible one, the trailblazer, the youngest, the small one, the littlest one, often spoiled because parents are often more financially secure, having had two other children before the little dumpling arrives, and the middle is just reacting to the identities of the other two siblings. Number two, the tendency to become whatever the oldest is not, basically the opposite of what the oldest is, rebellious versus responsible uh, and studious, And creative versus outgoing and popular, which is a counter-imagining of the middle child's self with a dose of inferiority complex. It sounds a little like Dan and Peter Brady, right? Also sounds very psychoanalyzing. There's an upside though. The middle child is able to imagine their own path because they have more freedom to identify their personality. That definitely sounds like the pork chops and applesauce episode, if you ask me. Number three, feelings of not being noticed or seen, like when in middle school you raise your hand along with everyone else in the class and the teacher calls on someone else and everyone in the class could be like two other people or 20. Even worse, when those feelings of invisibility are worse and it feels like your opinions don't matter at all, so it's not even worth raising your hand. In these days of online meetings, it's like choosing to stay on metaphorical mute. Number four, stronger external social ties because when you feel overlooked within your family, you turn to your friends who do acknowledge you. Clinical psychologist, Dr. Amy, I hope I'm not butchering her name, Deremus, says because it feels to them like their parents are closest to the oldest who is often under the most pressure to achieve and the youngest who needs more care than the others, the middle child often has their closest relationships outside the home. With their friends, they get to be more than just somebody else's sibling. Number five, feelings of having to prove yourself, which can look like serious drive and ambition likely followed by exhaustion. Oh, a fictional middle child that I overlooked is Lisa Simpson. I don't know why I considered her the older child in the Simpson household. She just acted like it. The example here is that Lisa is a straight A student. Her brother Bart is not. He gets kudos for his D plus marks though. She's expected to get A plus marks. For every middle child experiencing burnout, there is a Bart who made it that much harder to shine. That's a good one. And number six, a streak of independence and sense of individualism. Here, the article acknowledges that we are all snowflakes created uniquely regardless of birth order. Middle children take advantage of this and being receptive to outside influence, they carve a way of life that is different than their brothers or sisters. The stereotypical middle child is more sensitive, more distant from the family, even when they all get along well, and often finds a path that's very different from the others, so they have a defined sense of self, says Dr. Dramas. They can be a lot of fun to have around because they're more in to themselves since they're a little more distant from family expectations. As an adult, what this means is that those born as middle children can have an inferiority complex that shows up as an attention grabber. That feeling you're wearing an invisibility cloak can show up in a relationship when which middle child, the middle child feels inadequate and unworthy of love and affection or that someone else would be better. And it isn't always a curse. That sibling rivalry can push the middle children to compete and accomplish more than their peers. And they could end up having a stronger sense of self with the freedom to grow into something different and special. It doesn't predetermine personality or the ability to flourish. So there are plenty of articles out there on birth order theory and the middle child syndrome, like the two I found on the interwebs, which you know is pretty much one of the easiest kinds of research to do. And each of the articles is, is pretty quick to define and dismiss the syndrome as an actual condition. And that's what I found to be true for most articles that I saw. So I thought, let's take a look at the studies that were conducted. From healthline.com, this is what they found. First of all, way back in 1964, a psychoanalyst and contemporary of Sigmund Freud, Alfred Adler, developed a theory on the importance of birth order on personality development. He said that birth order does influence psychological development, even if children are in the same nuclear family. Now that's what I'm talking about. There are several characteristics associated with birth order, some of which, many of which we've already heard about, but I'll tell you what those are. The authoritarian, that's the responsible firstborn who feels all-powerful because their parents set very high expectations for them. Firstborn children tend to be more achievement-oriented, intellectual, likely to become social leaders, stubborn, conservative, ambitious, and also less compliant than their younger siblings. Then there's the babied youngest child who is spoiled and can't really compete with other siblings. They are less independent and more social. I already said spoiled. They're immature, irresponsible, attention-seeking, and rebellious. Those are nice words to describe somebody, huh? Then there's the quiet, people-pleasing middle child who has trouble fitting in because they are stuck between the older and younger siblings. They're often the peacemakers, they're agreeable, they're sociable, they're loyal, they're empathetic communicators. I'm a communicator. But Adler's theory was just that. It's a theory. The research behind the theory yielded conflicting results. The effects of birth order, including first, middle, and last child, have been tested on conditions including obsessive-compulsive disorder, schizophrenia, depression, autism, even anorexia. And here's one study. To test the notion that middle children didn't have a close relationship with their parents or not as close as their siblings' relationships with their parents, a survey asked a question about whether or not it was easy to talk to their parents about sex. More than 15,000 people were surveyed. 30.9%, almost 31%, of last-born women said it was easy to talk to their parents about sex at age 14. 29.4% 29.4% of middle-born women said the same. Not a big difference in percentages. Regardless, There's, they said the same. Let's see what the men had to say. 21.4% of last-born men found it easy to talk to their parents about sex. And only 17.8% of middle-born men found it easy. That's a little bit more of a spread, but not a huge difference also consistent with women, in that fewer middle-born children found it easy to talk about sex with their parents compared to younger children. Research from 1998 echoes this. Middle children in the study were least likely to say they are closer to their mothers. And in a 2016 study on the effect of birth order among the 320 undergraduate students, middle-born children were more likely to be less family-oriented than their elder siblings. So a bonus finding, these middle children were more likely to develop Maladaptive perfectionism, which is characterized by the constant desire to have things go as planned. Did I mention that I was procrastinating because I needed this to be perfect? Okay. There are additional studies of birth order associated with mental illness, suicide, and depression that had contradictory results. There are also lots of variables that can contribute to middle child syndrome, such as size of the family and demographics. With all of the conflicting research and studies, some have included the syndrome as part of pop psychology. So where does that leave us? I would offer a different view to the notion that middle child syndrome isn't real. It isn't proven by surveys or research, but that doesn't make it unreal. Also, I am not a licensed psychologist, psychoanalyst, or medical professional, so this isn't professional advisor or anything, I would say that there are many things that determine development and personality. I do believe early relationships influence development in children and that can shape an adult's outlook. I also believe that the time between birth of a first and middle and middle and last child muddies the waters a little bit. So with lots of time between children, a middle child can take on the role of a last born for a while and even older child. For example, I was the baby of the family for seven years before my younger sister was born. I felt the quintessential middle child syndromes for a while until my older sister left home. With 11 years between my older and younger sister, my younger sister really didn't get to know my older sister until later in life. So in that respect, I was kind of like the older child for a while. So, all the research and studies I just talked about, there is one piece of research that I count on, and that is my own experience. And it's not just my experience. There is something familiar when a person who grew up as a middle child meets another middle child adult. When we come to know that we are middle children, there's like a little spark, a little knowing spark, like, oh, you're, you're like me, you're, you're one of my kind. I don't know if people who are older or younger or only children have that same reaction when they meet someone of the same birth order. I mean, I don't think that there is an older child or younger child syndrome. I could be wrong though. And maybe that's just my middle child introspection overthinking things. Why I think this matters though is important. At least to me, it's important. Hopefully it's important to other people too. And that is that I think it helps us know Like we come from a place of understanding and knowing what it's like to grow up a certain way or with certain perceptions. Being a middle child shouldn't necessarily define who you are, just as being an older or younger child shouldn't define who you are. However, I do think that there's an understanding that could be had if you do bring along those experiences and those personality traits. I think it just helps us interact and helps us understand where somebody may be coming from. It's a point of discussion at the very least. I'd love to hear what you think. If you're a middle child, what's your experience been? Did you find yourself agreeing with me or was your experience different? And of course, I'd love to hear from any older or younger siblings. What was your experience as a non-middle child? Does the middle child syndrome that I talked about seem true when you think about your sibling? let me know or you could ignore this episode and don't worry I won't get offended or feel invisible at least. Thank you for listening to Miss Middlesys. If you liked the episode please give me a like or follow or subscribe. If you have a story you want to share please email me at missmiddlesys at and if you want to be part of some middle discussion stuff join the Miss Middlesys Facebook group. You can also find me on Instagram I'll start posting more there, I promise. It may be random stuff that I like, but I'd also love to see your random stuff too. Till next time.